Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 29 of Jordan and Drew the Sports Crew. We are getting closer and closer to episode 30, and to celebrate, we're having now one, not two, but three episodes this week. Yesterday, my UFC recap and the Joshua Usyk recap both went up. It's a combined little thing, boxing, UFC, big boxing match yesterday, heavyweight title on the line. Big UFC pay-per-view at night. I talked all about all of them. We have those up. That happened yesterday. So for those of you who missed my UFC recaps, it's been about a month and a half since we had one. Those are up there. Here we are today, episode 29. I'm Jordan Lorenz, joined with the one and only Drew Skyberg. Drew, before we talk about what's coming up this Wednesday, why don't you talk about what we posted last Wednesday, your new series, your new passion project. Yeah, so we have the College Athlete Spotlight. It's called Drew's College Athlete Spotlight. We're having some guests on who are college athletes. We're going to talk about it, what it's like. You know, I really want to touch on like the high school aspect of it, about like the recruiting and how they got to the sport they're in right now. You know, what was their passion there? And just some just in college, like what's what's the training intensity like? What's going on out there? And, you know, Johnny gave some great answers and we, we got here a lot. Of good stuff. Did you know for track that that shocked me? They went to Alabama for a track. Heard that. Yeah, that, that I was, didn't understand that. Yeah, I, I the, the, just things like that are is, is wh- exactly why I did the show. I want. I really want to that special. I just want to hear what's all going on and whatnot. But we got some really exciting guests coming up as well. Can't. Hit, I'll just hint. It's cross country is the sport. That's all we'll say for episode two, and that's going to be on a, every other Wednesday basis, which Jordan suggest, suggested, and I think it's a great idea. Give it some, give it some longevity. Keep it moving farther. However, next Wednesday we will most likely, I would say, we will not have episode two of that. We'll have a different interview with a coach that we'll be bringing on. And Drew, do you want to tell the world this Wednesday tonight? We're recording this actually. Who's going to be on this Wednesday? It is a big time guest. So this is one of our bigger guests. Jordan is right here. Um, Andrew from NASCAR is what we call him. He's he's actually employed. (laughs) Sounds fake when we say it that way. Yeah, he's employed by Fox, and we're having him on the show. And he's gonna, we're we're gonna talk about NASCAR. We're gonna talk about because his job, he his job is to kind of like get the younger audience engaged in NASCAR. We want to talk about kind of the idea. I mean, NASCAR it's a declining sport view wise for the younger audience, and we want to see. We want to talk about just ways they're they're trying to um, employ and whatnot to get these guys get this younger audience back into nascar so that's gonna be an interesting interview and i just want to learn more about nascar i'll be honest so i'm oh, looking yeah. forward to it personally i'm not a big fan like i've never really paid too yeah. much attention to nascar and, like my mom will watch it my grandpa will watch it but i don't like turn it on for fun and this episode's gonna be great because i us two we're gonna be on it we'll have andrew on it and if you don't even like nascar give it a listen like we you'll learn something or two and that, that's exactly what we're gonna do as well yeah, this is unlike the UFC recap where I know a lot of people just don't listen because they don't watch it. This NASCAR one, this will be interesting because we're going to take a deep dive into it, try and figure a lot of things out. We're going to be learning as much as you guys are going to be learning at home. So that's why it's very, very interesting. Can't wait for that. I mean, I've played like NASCAR games in arcades, you know, but that's about as far as I've went with NASCAR. So don't forget, guys, we're on all the social media platforms. Yesterday posted a Packers predictions challenge. Sadly, can't give out the winner of that predictions challenge because the game happened at 7:20 at night. So I don't really know who won that game yet because we're recording Sunday morning. So unless we would have recorded at like 11 o'clock on Sunday, there is no way we would have known who won. However, I can tell you that last week, right? We recorded or not. We recorded. We had the Packer game on Monday. It was the Monday night football game for the green Bay Packers. They end up beating the lions and drew. Do you know who won the prediction challenge? Johnny Tim, the man we had on for the College Athlete Spotlight, he wins the Predictions Challenge. So best of luck to everyone once again this week. I don't know who won. We don't know who won just quite yet, but I'm hoping to win one of these times. Packers 49ers, we'll do a little talk about Packers and Lions, Packers 49ers, all that coming up. But now, last thing I got to say, YouTube, Jordan Drew, the Sports Crew, Facebook, Jordan Drew, the Sports Crew. Facebook's kind of dead, but we'll see if we still want to work on it or not. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star reviews. T-shirts, they have been going out. I only have a few left to give. I had a nice little delivery over to the Skyberg house. Did the parents get them? Did they enjoy? Yep, we got parents enjoyed them. I got my shirt actually here now on campus, which is exciting. And I'll make sure to be delivering those in a few weeks. 
I yeah, I'm out of my stickers actually because the two yeah, I've got two stickers left and they'll be going out when I've got two shirts to deliver. So I think I only have three left to go and then all of my shirts are gone and then it's just up to the rest of them getting distributed. Actually, I have four to go. I have four because I kept an extra one that I got to get to someone else. So I've got four shirts left here. Still be making arrangements, trying to figure things out. Now it is time for our shout out of the week. And with no hesitation, first name that came to mind, the first name that I wrote down, number third, 28, I almost said 33. I don't know where that came from. Number 28 of Two Rivers this past week, September 24th. 2021 history was made as Chase Mathias had 33 rushing attempts for 407 yards. This man averaged 12.3 yards per carry, had six rushing touchdowns, and Chase Mathias led to Rivers to a 46-6 win over Valders. We'll talk more about it in our recap for the week, but... These are video game numbers, Drew. This is just, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I'm Chase Mathias, he's a sophomore. Um, and he, I mean, he, we had a big year last year as well. But what stood out to me, I, I mean, coming into the game, it was really rainy. TR likes to pass and it, poor conditions to pass the ball. So you know what they did? They ran the ball the whole game. And I had a feeling when, when I when I saw, I mean, I saw it was rainy and I knew they played TR. I was like, Oh boy, this is not going to go well because Chase Mathias over a thousand rushing yards now. I think it's well over a thousand actually. We should we'll, be well over. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in our in our week six recap. But this is this was nuts. I, and I wish I could have watched some of this game because I really want to see how dominant he is. He's such a great player offensively and defensively. And I don't know your bold prediction. You could do one maybe about him maybe going for over four hundred for back to back weeks. Oh, possibly. I We have the proof. I told you I was going to do a bold prediction of him having more than 250 rushing yards. I could have done it, but I didn't. In the end of the day, I picked Keel over KLC, which I was a little confident in. They didn't get the job done. And speaking of a thousand rushing yards, Brett Prangy also hit that mark of over a thousand rushing yards on the year. So good job, Brett. He actually had a college visit the other day. I, I won't say where, but he had that. So that was nice for him. And it was his birthday yesterday as well. So good job, Brett Prangy leading the Lincoln team, it's just something else. We'll talk about it coming up. But now it is time for the stats of the week. We actually have three Packers stats this week, kind of a lot. But there were a lot of big ones, and I thought, you know what? Let's talk about them. So Green Bay, after the Lions win, has 241 victories at Lambeau Field during the regular season, the most home wins by any franchise at one stadium in NFL history. So then we move to head coach. Matt LaFleur, he has never lost two games in a row in the same season. After the Lions win, he's now 8-0 in games following a loss. And I think that says a lot about this man as a coach. Making adjustments, not being content. I mean, they showed out in the Lions game. They really did, Jordan. And I think, you know, if they play have a bad game, they always bounce back. I think that's the one key thing here. I think, like, after that dreadful game against the Saints, we saw – Pretty good bounce back from this Packers team. I mean, defense was a little rocky at first, but they got some stops when they needed to. And I mean, that's all you can ask for. Exactly. I mean, defense is still a little sketchy. It's going to scare me down the rest of the year and might not have the best defensive coordinator, but one man who absolutely went off in that game, Aaron Jones, but he had three receiving touchdowns. He joined a list of players with three reception touchdowns and one rushing touchdown in a single game. So Aaron Jones is atop of that now. Last year, in 2020, Chase Claypool was one to do this. Then you got to go back to 2015, Danny Woodhead. Then we had Jamal Charles, Eric Metcalf, Larry Brown, Ron Johnson, Lenny Moore, and Ray Matthews, going all the way back to 1954. So only a few players on that illustrious list, Aaron Jones, joins just that next stat a little outdated however the Chiefs did not hold at least a share of the lead in the AFC West for the first time since the conclusion of week 16 in 2016 so it just goes to show how dominant that Chiefs team is in our final one moving back to baseball this is the first season in MLB history where multiple players 22 years old or younger have hit 40 home runs. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
are both 22 years old. And we kind of talked about this before, but the league is in good hands when you've got young players like this really leading the way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, these two guys, Otani's young as well. And it's just, it's great to see. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now for the Triple Crown is still, I mean, it's certainly a possible thing right now, I believe. Because he's just neck and neck in home runs. He's got the average. I believe he's got the RBIs. So we could certainly see him doing that. And he might be like the first person to win the Triple Crown and like not win the MVP. I don't know if that's that's, that's happened. A, it probably hasn't happened. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. We'd have to do some research on that, but I don't, like if I you're winning so. the, if you're winning the triple crown, why wouldn't you win the MVP? You know, like who else would be in that conversation, but I don't know. So that is it for our stats this week. The date today, September 27th, 2021, a 1930s heavy on this day. But first we got to start in 1923. We'd love to mention this name. Lou Gehrig hits his first home run. He went on to hit 493, hit his first on this day in 1923. He's going to be in this next stat, too. On this day in 1931, eight years later, Lou Gehrig completes his sixth straight season playing in every game. So that is just absolutely wild, untouchable. No one's going to do that in this day. On this day in 1935, the Cubs win their 21st consecutive game and clinch the NL pendant. I put this in here because this is what the Cardinals are doing right now. I mean, they have won 15 in a row, possibly 16, depending on how yesterday went. Cardinals firing on all cylinders. We'll talk about them when we get to our Brewers talk in this week as they swept them, which was not good to see. On the stay in 1936, this one's crazy. The Boston Redskins and the Brooklyn Dodgers play one of four penalty-free games in NFL history. Boston won 14-3. to Can you imagine? No penalties in the game? That would be beautiful. I mean, we've seen some like no penalty quarters and stuff, but a full True. game of... No penalties here. I mean, you, you, there's always something, you know? That's... Oh, yeah. They always say there's holding on every play. And the last two weeks of ships games, oh, my goodness. The laundry was flying. Two weeks ago, Green Bay West, one of the worst games I've ever seen. There was five occasions where they were offsetting penalties, most of them coming in like the second half. It was just terrible. On this day in 1939, the White Sox host the first ever day-night Doubleheader. They actually lost both of the games to Cleveland, but day-night doubleheaders, those are the thing nowadays. On this day in 1942, the Giants beat the Redskins, the football team, 14-7 to without making a first down. So you think there's like fumble recovery for a touchdown, kick return for a touchdown, interception or a touchdown? I don't yeah. know what else it would be. I'm going to guess defense was putting up points. Maybe they got stopped at the goal line, so like they couldn't get a first down, so it would be like first and goal or whatnot. So I think that's certainly a chance here. And yeah, some defense scoring points. That's wild. Graham Mertz, he let the defense score some points. We'll get there soon enough. On this day in 1961, Sandy Koufax sets an NL strikeout season record, 269. And now on this day in 1983, we love to mention our boy Ty Cobb. However, Tim Raines is the first sense Ty Cobb to steal 70 bases and drive in 70 runs. So that is nice to see from Tim Raines in 1983. That wraps it up, and we are now moving to our weekly sports talk segment. We're going to have a little transition here because for the first time ever, I think, have, we've never covered golf before, have we? No, we've never done golf. No, I think we talked about the match a little bit when Rogers was on it, but never anything like this. The Ryder Cup in Sheboygan, huge, huge golfing event. Drew and I are basically clueless on it. However, it is now time for our special guest this week, Alec, Drew's roommate, We'll be talking all about the Ryder Cup, and let's go to that right now. And now we're going to take a look at the Ryder Cup that happened this past weekend as the Americans defeated Team Europe at Whistling Straits here in Wisconsin. This is a tradition that's been going on every other year, starting in 1927, where the United States faced off against Great Britain in Massachusetts. That Great Britain team eventually formed to Great Britain and Ireland, and then it became Great Britain, Ireland, and the rest of the countries in Europe to just be called Team Europe. The United States has a 27 to 14 record versus these European teams. And it goes back and forth between being played in America compared to somewhere in Europe. Now, this past weekend, it took place in Whistling Straits. I actually worked at Whistling Straits in the summer of 2019 in preparation 
for the Ryder Cup that was supposed to take place in 2020. Now, a fun fact here, the first Ryder Cup that happened in 1927, it goes every other year. So then 1929, 1931, it was odd numbered years until 2001. And after 9-11, they had to push it back because it was going to be two weeks after the attacks. So then it started being even numbers. And then with COVID pushing it back to 2021, we're now back on odd years. So then the next one will be in 2023. Working at Whistling Straits in the summer of 2019, we were building the, the entrances for the fans to come in. And there's two courses at the Whistling Straits golf course. There's a straights course and the Irish course. Now I was primarily working on the Irish course at the time, which means that we basically transformed that course to accommodate the Ryder cup, which is no small task. This thing takes years in preparation to build the grandstands, the tents, everything to set up. And it kind of just got pushed away for a year and then brought back out for this past weekend actually live pretty close to whistling straits and state patrol is everywhere. You can't go anywhere within a 10 mile radius of whistling straits. And there are state state patrol cars at every intersection. Just sitting there with their lights on waiting to waiting to be called on something, but the Americans did win this past weekend ending by fans being as Wisconsin as they are, tossing Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger a beer to celebrate the American victory over Europe, which then pushes them to a 27 to 14 record versus Europe. Beautiful job. They're talking about, I mean, golf, it's not, it's not my bread and butter. Same with NASCAR, right? So this Wednesday when we're talking about NASCAR, we're really, people can't say we only cover things we know because we're going, we're expanding our boundaries. We're talking about everything here on the podcast. So Great job there, Alec, with the Ryder Cup. Thank you very much. Hope I know he wanted to get on really bad to talk some golf, so glad we got him on here. Episode 29. And Drew, it's all up to you now. What should we talk about first? you want to talk baseball brewers? you want to talk about Packers a little bit? I don't even have the Packers scores up. We could talk about the Lions game a little bit. We can talk about the Badgers. Or we can talk about high school. Ball's yours. Let's do baseball and then football, I think. Sounds good. We can do that. We'll start with the Brewers then. And we have a lot to talk about when it comes to our predictions challenge. But first, ah, Brewers Cardinals, 5-2 loss, 2-1 loss, 10-2 loss, 8-5 loss. The 8-5 loss was really frustrating because the Brewers were dominating this game. They were up 5-0, had a four-run inning in the first inning because of a Tyrone Taylor grand slam. But still, pitching staff blew it. And here we are. We went 0-4 against the Cardinals, but they're hot right now, Drew. They really are, Jordan, and they're getting great starts out of their starting pitching. They're, they got John Lester was pitching gems for them, and he's had some really good starts as of late. Which, How old is he? Yeah, John. It, he's mid-late 30s, so, I mean, you have a washed-up John Lester pitching. I mean, Adam Wainwright's pitching like it's 2010 right now. Just some guys who are – I mean, they're pitching over their heads right now, which, I mean, and that's kind of what this team is lacking, and some inconsistent offense, and some guys have been really hot. I mean, Tyler O'Neill has double-digit home runs this month. Arenado's been hot. Goldschmidt's been hot. Dylan Carlson's been doing pretty well, and just they've just gotten great offensive production like that, that when it's needed, and the Brewers' the bullpen kind of imploded this series, not going to lie there. Um, Brad Boxberger comes to mind. He has not looked great at all recently. Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, and I, and I really I am, but just he hasn't looked great. So like they they couldn't even pitch. It. I mean, they really didn't want to use him on us. It was Saturday night, so that was tough there. But like just the the bullpen's kind of been not doing its job right now. Um, I mean, Cousins went on the IL if I'm not mistaken. Ashby gave up some runs, but I mean Ashby's still finding a spot in that reliever role. I mean, he's had a few good outings, but still he's got to get in the groove of it. Yeah, for me, the only guys I'm confident in using right now, Strickland, Williams, and Hayter. And Cousins, but Cousins being hurt. And, yeah, Ashby, but Ashby's still trying to find his role. So there's, there's really only like three four guys who I really want to use out of that bullpen. And they're obviously – there's been days where none of them are available. So – because like when Brett Anderson gets pitches, you know, yeah. you got you to yeah, – no. That's why 
I, I'd be cool with going with the five-man rotation now because Lauer has pitched like an absolute stud recently, 2.93 ERA now. For yeah, him. I don't. Th- I don't think they bring in Anderson for the playoffs to start. The, there's no way you can you can start Anderson. No, you that can't would be crazy. Looking no. through his numbers, like even like his advanced stats, like there's nothing that like it favors him. Is his fielding independent pitching his FIP is 4.33, so that's actually above his ERA. So he's pitching. He's actually pitching over his like he's pitching a better than his expected stats say he is, which he's pitching horrible. So yeah, I mean that that tells you something there. 56 strikeouts in 90 innings. So I mean, he 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 gets outs by letting or getting soft contact and whatnot, and that's kind of that that works sometimes, like one or two times through the sometimes, order. Sometimes come yeah. that yeah, come that third time, he, they only let him go through the order three two or they only let him go two times through the order, and then when he goes three times, they take him out. So yeah. prevent that because it just makes sense. I mean, even. Even through the first time, we see hard contact being allowed by him, even though he tries to limit so- to soft contact. But, yeah, um, not good stuff from Brad Anderson this week. And, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to this week, though, Jordan. Yes, this week. We'll talk about the Mets series real quick before we get to the upcoming week. Saturday, Corbin Burns pitched an absolute jam once again, went seven innings. And this is what we need from our pitching staff. You pitch – I've even six to seven solid innings, giving up one run or less. Brewers get a few runs of run support, and then you bring in one or two people, and then you bring in your hater to close things out, or even put Williams in that role if you have to. They're interchangeable depending on the situation. It's just if we can get this much out of our starting pitchers, we're going to be absolutely fine, but we have to get the run support as well. I know Yelich had a big game recently, but he was slumping once again. Escobar played great. Adamus is still doing fine. I mean, Urias is still reliable. He's hitting the ball well. There's still a lot of guys we have that are doing good things. You were at the game Saturday. You're also at the game yesterday. A lot of big giveaways at that game yesterday. Yeah, Jordan. I, I will just starting with Saturday because it's fan appreciation weekend. So you get a scratch off for some tickets and whatnot. So I ended up getting uh, two loge level tickets, two outfield outfield box tickets. So that was exciting to see there. And then also Sunday, what you got was you got to see a Ryan Braun ceremony, which I am really looking forward to seeing. It's going to be packed. Or it it, was oh, it's it's going to be a sellout Sunday. I guarantee it. And giveaway, the first 35,000 fans get a talking Bob Uecker bobblehead. And I'm looking forward to having this thing here. And I also get a scratch off with it. So Beautiful. what's going to happen is for 19 bucks, which is my ticket price, I get a bobblehead. I get a scratch off. Uh, the bobblehead in itself is going to be worth more than nine, 19 bucks. They always are. Yeah. And I guess even the Ryan Braun ceremony and a game. So it's like, and they have a chance to win the central, like the magic numbers one now. It is as of, as of Sunday. Yep. So we'll see. Hopefully we see the NL central champs Sunday is what's going to happen being crowned. So I think for 19 bucks, that's a steal. Oh, absolutely. And we talked about it before we came on. How crazy is that the Cardinals have won 15 in a row, but they're still like seven games back. Like that's Unreal show goes to show how bad they were to start the year. So hopefully Brewers swept the Mets 5-1 on Friday, 2-1 on Saturday. We don't know the Sunday score quite yet. However, we do know that I won the predictions challenge. And what? like I won the predictions challenge this week. And this is the crazy thing, right? You said they were going to go five and two, and they certainly did not. They lost first four to the Cardinals. So we couldn't have wrote this up any better. I have 11 points. You have 12 points. It all comes down to this week. It's either going to be you win or I win back and it ends in a tie. So there's only one way we can do this. We're going to have a coin toss right now to decide who goes first. The Cardinals and the Dodgers are the Brewers opponents this week. Six games. They have today off. Then they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a nice noon game on Thursday and then two late games against the Dodgers, and then an afternooner on Sunday the 3rd. So I'm going to flip a coin. Drew, you are going to call the coin. If you are correct, you get to pick if you want to go first or second. If I'm correct, I get to pick if I want to go first or second. So I'm just going to ask Siri, old reliable here. I need you to call it right now. Tails. Calling tails. All right. Hopefully we can hear this. Siri, flip a coin. It's heads. Oh, it's heads. So that means 
that this is a big decision, though. I don't know if I want to go first or second because I have a number in mind. And I don't know how confident I am in this number. Brewers are playing six games this week. They're playing a tough Dodgers team who's very, very, very good, and we never play well against the Dodgers. And then we're playing the Cardinals, who are hot and just swept us. So for the final predictions of the year, and I think if this does end in a tie, we'll bring this into the playoffs just so we can get a winner. But I am going 3-3. Three and three. I'm going a 500 week. I think we win one, maybe, against the Dodgers, and then that Cardinals series kind of depends, but I don't think we sweep them. Yeah, I want to go 3-3 three and three there because... I mean, mm-hmm. this Brewers team, we're at the point. We, we're not playing for anything after we win the Central. No. There's well, nothing. Hopefully we get it done, because imagine if we lose to the Mets and then we get swept by the Cardinals, and then we have to win a game against the Dodgers. Yeah, but I'm, I'm confident in this team winning one of those games to get this done. Um, I think enough. they got it done yesterday, and I don't think we have anything to worry yeah. about. I want this team. Look, I want to get to 97 wins here. I want to have the franchise record for most wins in a year, which would be mm-hmm. 97 now because 96 was the record and they're at 93 right now but maybe if they win sunday it'll be 94 but i'm not sure if they win sunday yet because we don't know so i'm gonna say i'm gonna go four and two because i want 97 wins like i said they have they don't have anything really they're playing for after they win the central so it it might not make sense for me to say that because i don't know if we're gonna see corbin burns again for the rest of this year i don't yeah i don't know i don't think you risk it so we see woodruff one more time we're gonna see hauser they're going to pitch Brett Anderson, and yet I'm still saying four and two. So they might even have a bullpen day against the Cardinals. They certainly could. I mean, yeah. there could be guys making spots. We could see Suter make a start or something. I so, would love that. I love that, man. Yeah. Uh, dumb of me to say four and two, but I can't go two and four here because this team needs to win games. So yeah. I got to so say four go. two. It all comes down to this. This is a huge, huge week. So there's our Brewer talk now. We're going to go high school football. And then real quick, we'll talk about the Packers, and then it'll be time for trivia. It's a special bit of trivia this week. We're not spinning the wheel. So let's start. Manitowoc Lincoln, 34-24 win over Sheboygan North. I announced that game my third week in a row, announcing Ship's fourth win in a row for the first time since 2013. Sheboygan North came right out of the gate hot. They scored right away. It was 7 nothing first two minutes, and I was like, whoa. This team's 0-5, haven't won a game all year, and here they are doing this against Lincoln. However, 21-7 at the half. Ships look good. They got six points in the third quarter. It was pouring rain for most of this game, so they had a bad snap. Fumbles left and right. They were up big time. Joy North put up 17 points in the fourth quarter, and then ultimately it ended 34-24. But I have a situation to explain to you, and I need to see if you can make any sense of this. So, ships are up. By 12 points, right? I don't remember the exact score, but they were up by 12. It was was 34-22, actually. It was 34-22. There's just over two minutes left in the game. Sheboygan North has no timeouts. Ships ball at like their 16, 17-yard line. Okay, They line up to punt because they just went three and out. North used all their timeouts, try and get the ball back, still do something. Ships call a timeout. Before the punt, like North called their last timeout, ships are out there to punt, and then the ships call a timeout. So they come over, talking to Coach Ends. They go back out there. The snap, a good snap. Punter Damani Wilson runs back into the end zone and takes a safety. So instead of a 12-point game, it's a 10-point game with about two minutes to go, and North has timeouts. Uh, we couldn't make any sense of why they took the safety. Um. Okay. So I want to say they take the safety there, maybe because the wind and stuff. I because at Valders there's a punt that only went I believe I heard ten yards <laughs> because of the wind and stuff. It was I don't know if, if that if it I don't know whose punt it was, but I heard like the game it was there. It, you couldn't kick, you could not kick. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I I, I would believe it. Um, so I'm gonna say they did that because it was probably a bad night to punt the ball, so they figured. It's better to not give them good field position to let them score seven or to, to have the opportunity to score seven. Just concede the two, punt the ball. Hopefully, then they have better, they have worse. I, granted, you're still punting because if you say, get the safety, you have to punt. So it's like yeah. that, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm baffled about. But I think that was it was it was the whole thing about field position because you said they're at the 16. Yeah, something they're on okay. 16 or something. So for me, that 
that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I could totally see that as over coaching. But mm-hmm. um, well, also, I can throw this in there. Their long snapper went out hurt a little bit before that. So possibly they weren't too confident in that. Mm-hmm. But Damani Wilson punter, he had a dime earlier in the game. He punted like a 50 some yarder and it pinned the Raiders back at their own four. So, I mean, he had a nice punt earlier in the game, but I don't know. We couldn't make any sense of that. I just wanted to see if you could. Manitowoc Lutheran gets blown out on homecoming, 48-6. to And this Lutheran team is so interesting because they only had 17 total rushing attempts for seven yards, but they threw the ball 33 times. Ethan Menges, 17 of 28, 104 yards with an interception. I, I can't make sense of this Lutheran offense. They're a throw-heavy team, which is interesting. And as we know for Friday Night Lights so far this year, weather has not been favorable as well. Oh, no. So that's it's, it's weird, especially to see in the weather we've, we've seen this year. I mean, you, you couldn't team, like it, it's tough to even punt the ball, like we mentioned in this weather. And now we, like these past-heavy teams like TR, KLC, and just, yeah, and as we hear now, now Lutheran, like passing in this weather, but it sounds like the running game's not working for them right now. No, it's not, I guess. And they're just relying on Ethan Menges to throw. They've got a chance the next two weeks to win. They're at Oostburg, who's okay. Then they host Random Lake. So if they don't win on October 8th, that would be terrible because Random Lake, as of right now, averages three points per game. So that would be a very, very bad loss for Luther. Now, we got to talk about this KLC and Keel game. It was all KLC to start. And then Keel started coming back at the half. It was 28 to 12. KLC dominating. You know, they're up big as expected. Keel put up 16 unanswered points in the third quarter, tied this game at 28. But then KLC, a 14 point fourth quarter, gets the job done. Robbie Michael, 14 of 23, 320 passing yards, five touchdowns with an interception. He hasn't thrown a whole lot of those. And then he had 17 carries for 136 yards with a touchdown. Keel only threw the ball four times. Connor Meyer, 27 carries, 149 yards. Dan Schmitz, 12 carries, 70 yards. Connor Foe, 7 carries, 50 yards. The four touchdowns came on the ground. Connor Meyer and Schmitz both had two. I was a little confident in Keel getting the job done, but it's the Robbie Michael show. He pulls out once again, 42-28 over Keel. This didn't surprise you a whole lot. You thought KLC would win. I I did. I thought it was going to be a close game, but I, I thought KLC pulls out this game. I, the team that I think um, beats KLC, though, I, I think Brilliant has really Brilliant the best shot of done. being. Yeah, and I think that they certainly could. I mean, that defense, I think they could really limit them, and I think they're just their running game. I think they could run through that KLC defense, but we'll wait and see. Don't want to make a bold prediction yet. Well, that. yeah, because I'm going to. Are you done with KLC? Can I lead into the Brilliant game? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, so their running numbers weren't too impressive against New Holstein, and we all know New Holstein, they're 3-3. and They're 500. They're not the best team. Maybe Brilliant just had an off day. I don't know what the weather conditions were here either, but leading rusher Sam Galoff, 82 yards with a touchdown. It's the only touchdown this team had. They won 10-7. to It was low scoring in this game, and then the next leading rusher, Maverick Knorr, 27 yards. Brendan Olson, 22 yards. Mason Benke, 19 yards. I mean, they really couldn't get the running game going. Sam Galoff averaged 4.1 a carry, Nor 3.4, Benke 2.7, Bennett Olsen 2. I would say this doesn't concern us, but that's not a great effort being tie 7-7 with New Holstein at the half and then only putting up a field goal in the fourth quarter. Well, yeah, um, for Brilliant, Garnett Sabani was out as well. Um, there were some guys they were missing for the running game. But I was talking to Robert Schimmick about the game and just the weather. Well, he said weather played a big factor. Teams were just stalling mm-hmm. out, like moving. Like it was not a great offensive showing for either team, but Brilliant ended up getting a late, late field goal to win the game there. It was 7 7 and a half. Yeah. So, and Brilliant pulls out a win there. They're 4 and 0 now in conference. They're tied with KLC for the conference lead. So, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out because they're two games actually ahead now of, of every other team in the conference at least. So, Oh, yeah, it's coming down to Brilliant and KLC and when they're mm-hmm. head-to-head matchups. So, Chilton beats Roncalli 45-8. I'm, Roncalli didn't keep it close like I said they would, but kind of expected, whatever. Chilton 45-8. And then the big one, TR beats Felders 46-6. to Chase Mathias, if you missed the intro for some reason, 33 carries, 
407 yards, six touchdowns. This man, there's literally no one stopping Chase Mathias. He now sits atop the Eastern Wisconsin Conference in rushing 1,320 yards. And Robbie Michaels behind him with 833. Mathias, 14 rushing touchdowns on the year. He's unstoppable. Yeah, Jordan. These touchdowns, let me read you what they were. They big ones? Yeah, he had some big ones here. 67 yard touchdown. My 54 yarder, 63 yarder. Holy smokes. And they had him in the fourth quarter with four minutes left trying to get him that sixth touchdown. And they got it. 63 yarder. That was the big one there. Which I know some people would say it's like unsportsmanlike you're dominating the game, but it's for the record. I mean, come on. This kid was hot. Let him just play it out. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I, I mean, he still he still put up big numbers either way. I mean, he's putting up big numbers in the start, put up big numbers at the end. Valor was able to get a touchdown in the fourth, which is good to see. Not they didn't get shut out. We don't like getting shut out. So, yeah, I'm looking forward then for next week for Valders because it's homecoming and they got New Holstein coming up, and that could be a good game. Could be a winnable game, certainly. Let's talk about the week. We didn't do this last week, but let's preview this week. A little bit with the Eastern Wisconsin Conference games. Ships have a very tough final three games in the season. Menasha, Notre Dame, and Pulaski, Ooh. I believe, in that order. Yeah, that's not a good final three for them. But October 1st, first games of October. Here we go. KLC is at Chilton, blowout. Mm-hmm. Brilliant at Roncalli, blowout. Two Rivers. At Kiel, Two Rivers has been underwhelming so far this season, but I think they could keep it close for a little bit, but Kiel's going to get the job done. And then New Holstein at Valders for that homecoming game, as you said. Valders could sneak a win <sighs> past New Holstein, but it's going to be tough. It, it, it is, Jordan, and the reason being is solely because New Holstein, you want to make them pass. You, you want to make them throw the ball, and I'm worried with, I mean, what, what they saw, I mean, what coaches and what people are seeing from Valors against a team like TR. We saw it against KLC even. KLC, they were running the ball. Gerdakis and uh, Verhagen weren't being used as much as you would think. It's They were, they want to just run the ball against Valors. And I think if you can't stop the run, I mean, they're going to keep running the ball. So I, I think we need the whole team because they got guys like Obler. I mean, Schnell can run the option very well. And I think... Yeah. They could really run that. Their their signature two guard pull sweep action to the left or right. I think that's going to be pretty effective. If I mean, if Valders doesn't stop the run, but hey, if they if they're able to stop the run this game, able to make Schnell get, be in the pocket and pass, then you're able. If Schneider's able to get some throws and then run that option as well, I think this Valders team. I mean, you it's homecoming. Anything can happen. I I I wouldn't rule Valders out here at all. But I think I think if they can't stop the run, I I can't see them winning the game. Well, let's. Tricky too because New Holstein is so balanced. They almost have six guys with over 100 rushing yards on the year. They've got four with more than 200. Tyler Gabriel, two or three. Henry Schnell, 247. Cody Abler, 305. And then Mason Boone, 365. So they're like brilliant in a sense where they've got a lot of guys that can get the job done if needed. Little fumble heavy. I mean, Boothlin has two. Abler's got one. Gabbert's got one as well. And then throwing Henry Schnell, 23 of 49, 501 yards, six to two touchdown to interception ratio. So not too bad, but it's going to be interesting to see how they can do on homecoming ships in Notre Dame is that Saturday homecoming game for the ships that's next week. So that'll be big. We'll talk about that when we get there. But speaking of Saturday games, Wisconsin Badgers, mm. Notre Dame, Soldier Field, Badgers start off hot. You know, they stop Notre Dame. Then they get a field goal. I thought they should have went for it on fourth down in the first quarter, but you got to take the points when you can. Notre Dame has a 10-point second quarter, so they're up 10-3 at the half. Third quarter is complete. It's 10-10. Graham Mertz, first passing touchdown of the year. We're tied at 10 going into the fourth quarter. The Badgers give up 31 points in the fourth quarter. 14 of them were off pick sixes by Graham Mertz. They only get a field goal in the fourth. 41-13. Drew, I'll read some stats, and then we'll bring it over to you. Graham Mertz. Everyone's given up on Graham Mertz at this point. I love the kid, but he's still young. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the touch. He doesn't have the patience, and he's forcing things. 18 of 41, which is under 45%. 240 yards. One touchdown to 
four interceptions, most of those coming in the fourth quarter. Ches Malusi held to only 54 rushing yards as well, which is not good. This team is averaging over 200 coming into the game. And the underdog hero story of Drew Pine, the third string quarterback. Cone goes out hurt third quarter-ish, end of the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. He was 15 of 29 with a touchdown, 158 yards. So certainly didn't light him up by any means. But then you got Drew Pine, third string quarterback, comes in. Six of eight, 81 yards with a touchdown. You can't ask any better of him. Notre Dame really had nothing going for the run game. I believe they had three rushing yards at the half. Badgers had four sacks. Their defense stepped up. But when Graham Mertz is making bad decisions, resulting in 14 defensive points for Notre Dame, you're not winning games and ultimately lose 41-13. Yeah, this was one of the more embarrassing Wisconsin losses of recent memory for sure. When I mean, And really, it was just an embarrassing quarter. Just the fourth quarter. It, it, it really was. all went downhill. It really just downfalled. And I mean, Graham Mertz, you could, he was getting flustered. You could totally tell. Um, just the, the sack fumble, he got he got fumbled, and he just kind of like threw the – or he got sacked, and he kind of just threw the ball away. It's just, He's got fumbling issues too. I mean, it's bad. Reminds me of Daniel Jones a lot, like him with the turnover game. It's just they're very similar in that aspect. 18 for 41, like you said, not good. And then I was doing some homework actually watching the game. Every time I looked up, I, swore, I swear I just saw a – oh, inter, I saw a Notre Dame guy catching uh, – Catching Graham Mertz's thrown ball. So that that happened a bunch in the fourth. Like you mentioned, two two pick sixes, I believe. And then they also had that fumble where they got to like the red zone, basically. So I can't even fault the defense, really. I, I'm not going to blame them for for the three touchdowns that the offense basically gave up. So, I mean, you're not going to win games. Johnny Tim said it best. He said, hey, if this Notre Dame team, if they if, or whoever wins the tor- turnover battle is going to win this game, Notre Dame won the turnover battle, four to one, oh, I believe. Yeah, did they ever? And they won the game, so I, I think that really played a big part in this game. I mean, John, Johnny spoke. He, he texted me. He's like, he's like, yo, what did I say? Turnover battle. Whoever has the least amount of turnovers go in this game, and look what happened. And he he was right. But yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. Only 13 points were put up by this Badger offense, and then plus considering they uh, they gave up two touchdowns just on like the pick sixes. So there certainly needs to be some change in this Wisconsin offense. And I don't know if it needs to be done personnel wise strategy, game plan wise. I don't know what needs to happen, but something needs to happen. There are problems with, I think Graham Mertz at quarterback. I think there's problems. You can see with some of the receivers. I think the offensive line has hung in pretty nice. I think you could certainly ask for some improvement there though. I think just overall, this offense just, they are now Wisconsin's now own seven. It's last seven games against AP top 25 teams, including five it, losses with Mertz as starter. It's bad. I mean, it's just terrible. And it was five to one turnovers. I looked it up as well. So there's another one that we oh, yeah, the, fum- the fumble with the four interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I saw someone put a thing in the Wisconsin sports heroics Facebook group. They're like, yes, defense wins championships, but not when your quarterback is Graham Mertz and, they got a good point. I mean, people have certainly given up on this guy at this point, which is sad because he's still so young. That was his 10th or 11th game starting, which is crazy. The dude needs some time. He's just not making good decisions, not being strong with the ball. And now we've got Michigan coming up this Saturday. Michigan is coming to town, undefeated Michigan, 47-14, 31-10, 63-10, 20-13 wins for Michigan. It's, I don't think this is going to end well. I don't either, Jordan. I mean, Wisconsin's definitely going to come in unranked. I, I would think so. Oh, even yeah, though, no way. They're 25. No way. Even though this defense right now, they are allowing just 23 r- yards rushing per game, which is best in the country. So in some aspects, they have they have one of the best run-stopping defenses in the country and just the best one of the best overall defenses in, in the country. So even if you had that offense play, like, play at an okay level or like a good level, pretty good, like they don't have to be great. They have to be good. And you would be, you'd be 3-0. And that's simply all you had. To, that's all you needed. You just needed Graham Mertz to just. They didn't even need that many, like against Penn State, for example. I was going to bring that up. That that game still just sucks because that game sure, certainly should have been a win there. And then plus now with with that Notre Dame, the game yesterday was certainly a winnable game. I mean, Wisconsin was favored because they thought Graham Mertz could. I don't know why, but they thought. I, I mean, don't know why either. I mean, the defense definitely played a part in that. 
them being favored, which they the defense played, I thought, very well yesterday, for except for a few few long pass plays by Cone or Pine. But other than that, I think I think they played defensively. I'm not worried still. Where I'm going to stick to my statement that I made last week, I'm not worried about this defense, and I don't know why you would be. But the offense, oh, yeah, no, definitely not worried about the defense. But the <sighs> offense is where all the questions come. And I just looked at the schedule. We host Iowa mm. on the thirtieth as well. So I mean, you're playing in the Big Ten. It's very, very tough. Real quick, we'll talk about the Packers. Last Monday night, week ago today, they played the Lions and beat them, thirty-five seventeen. Do you watch the Eli Manning and Peyton Manning broadcast at all on ESPN two? Have you ever checked those out? I did not, but I've heard about it. I heard it's the funniest thing ever. So and good. You got to be watching it. Yeah, it's basically like you're watching. It's like a you're listening to a podcast basically while watching a football game. Like yes, they talk about the football game and they do some football stuff related to the game, but they bring on guests. They had Brett Favre on, Pat McAfee, who's one of my favorite people in the world. Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays with him for his podcast and stuff. But it's so good, and I I don't know why you wouldn't be watching that because it makes the normal broadcast look like nothing. Like obviously, if you want a professional where they're talking about the football game 24-7. And in a close game, you probably want to watch the actual broadcast. But it was so good. 35-17 win over the Lions. I was very scared right out of the gate. Lions came out, boom, touchdown just like that. I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Tie game at the half, 17-17. Packers put up 21 unanswered to win this game. It was the Aaron Jones show. As we said, Aaron Jones had more receiving yards than he had rushing yards. He had, or pardon me, he had more receiving touchdowns than he had rushing touchdowns. Had 48 receiving yards, 67 rushing. I mean, Rodgers, 22 of 27, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 255 yards. Hopefully more of the same happened in the 49ers game, but I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say for Packers lines. Yeah, um, just overall for the Packers, I mean, a good show. We mentioned Aaron Jones, phenomenal game from him there. Defense looked a little shaky to start. And then we had the big, big turnovers that they forced at the end. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to now the game tonight. I mean, it would have been last night, right? Yeah. Got, so we, we don't got, know what happened. We got Packers 49ers, but I'm just going coming into this game. I mean, we can't really preview it because that wouldn't make sense. Just yeah, all, right, all, it already all, happened. Yeah. All I'll say is worried about the offensive line against the pa- or against the. 49ers pass rush because, I mean, Elton Jenkins, I believe, is out now. He's been downgraded to out for tonight's game so. or last night's game. So hopefully this O-line ha- hangs in there nicely. But I would like to see a good win against the 49ers. I'm, I'm worried about the other thing is how they stop the run. So that's always a concern with this team. Seems like, I don't know, this this could be a game we lose here. But I, I would prefer not to lose a game like this. I think, I think I mean, of course, you got to win the game. But Aaron Rodgers. I think it comes down to the wire. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers needs to do big things because he, he's going to have to carry this defense, and I don't know how much time he's going to have. So we'll have to see some Aaron Rodgers things tonight. Yeah, and Debo Samuel, too. you got to always worry about him. He's on one of two of my fantasy teams, and he's been doing mighty fine. So let's do it. Trivia. for Oh, also I'm worried about A.J. Dillon a little bit. He hasn't done anything productive so far this year for Quadzilla. So there's that. Trivia. Here we go. It's a special one. It is. EWC football in September. So now that September football has come and gone for the EWC, we're going to talk all about it here. Five trivia questions. Let's do it. True or false? Every single EWC game in September was played on Friday night. False. Correct. There was that Valder's brilliant game that ended up happening on Saturday. Didn't know if I could throw you off. Didn't think so. Next question. KLC, out of the four games they played in September, how many of those were shutouts? They played Valders, Roncalli, TR, and Keel. Okay, let's think. Keel, not a shutout. TR, not a shutout. Valders, shutout. What was the other team they played? Roncalli. Oh, did Roncalli get a tutty? Um, Did they get a touchdown? Did they? I'm going to say... How much faith do you have in Roncalli against KLC is what it's coming I'm down gonna to? I'm going to say they didn't, two. The two shutouts. Correct, it was two. I was going to say, as soon as I said Ron Colley, you should have been like, shut him up. But finally, we got there. Two of two to start. This is good. True or false? Valders played Ron Colley earlier in the month. True or false? Trey Schneider threw the ball more than 10 times in that game. Let me think here. Um, well, they haven't been able to throw a lot this year. I'm going to say true. False. He only threw it eight times. 
Trey, come on. So, I mean, hey, he was five of eight in that game, but it was false. Five of eight against Ron Colley. Now, it's all right. You still get a chance to go four or five, and I think it's doable. Next question. Brilliant. Had how many wins in the month? They played four games. Correct. They won all four. There you go. Four. four. And here we go for the last one. This one's a little, this is a tough way to end, but if you think about it, we can work our way through it. True or false? True or false, not false. True or false? TR, they lost three games in the month of September. Did they lose two out of three by five points or less? Okay, well, I know this, this is kind of easy here because I think it is. Because in the month of September, correct, played four games. They did. They, they got blown out by Brilliant, 41 plus. So that's not one of those games. They lost by one against KLC 28 27, I believe. So that's one of them. 28 25, but close enough. Yeah, that whatever. Yep. And then, um, do I get to know who else they played, or do they don't get to tell me that? Not, not for the fifth question. No, not for the fifth question. So, but they had one other loss. You just got to kind of think about who they lost to, and if it was a close loss. I mean, you don't have to name it. You can just guess at this point if you want. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say true. It is true. They lost to Chilton twenty-one to twenty. So it was a one-point loss to Chilton, a three-point loss to KLC. Drew, not bad. Four of five this week. You are now sixteen of 25 so we're moving back up there not bad at all halfway through season three of trivia ewc football in september has concluded and i believe next week i'll put together a brewers postseason or something involving the brewers and the playoffs so we will do that that is all we've got for this week coming up on sunday october 3rd i believe it starts at 12 30 i'll be on espn plus once again for uwgb volleyball I don't remember who they play. I think they're a good team when I looked earlier on, but I don't know for sure. Either way, ESPN plus 1230 Packers are playing on 325. They play Pittsburgh Steelers. So maybe I'll be home in time for that, but we will have to see. Otherwise, that's all we got this week. Don't forget, guys, UFC recap. Give it a listen. I also talked about Joshua and Usyk as well. If for some reason you're a fan of boxing, but not UFC. This coming Wednesday, two days from now, we have ourselves a little NASCAR interview. And then last week, if you missed the college athlete spotlight with Johnny Tim, please go ahead and check that out. Jordan Drew underscore sports crew for all the fun happenings. Keep you up to date on everything. We're doing prediction challenge. We're doing fantasy football recaps. I mean, a lot of stuff going on on there. And shout yourself out, sir. Yeah, you know the drill. Instagram, Twitter, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. Jordan Law underscore PXP on Twitter for me. And we're getting the shirts out. We're handling them. We're getting them there. Don't worry, guys. We're getting them out to you. And I'm very, very excited to see people finally getting their shirts. It is good to see that all our hard work has finally paid off. And we're getting closer to 200 Instagram followers. So we're working towards that goal as well. Thank you all for listening. Episode 29 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.